It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going on the road, and we've been close on the road a few times since I've been here and haven't finished one. So if we get that opportunity Saturday, I want our Sarah guys uh, see it through to the end. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I've got a new drinking game. Take a shot every time a kick is blocked. <laughs> that means you were probably drunk last Saturday. Absolutely. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Hey, uh, do yourself a favor, jump on Twitter, and look up at Husker FB Nation for the newest video. It's like the Lord of the Rings meets uh, Harry Potter meets like whatever modern day music's hip right now in a collage of this last week's game. Unbelievable. Aura Garst, you're amazing. I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to say it seems everyone's finally uh, caught on to the Redcast. Uh, special teams are important, folks. <laughs> yes, yes, that was illustrated in spades uh, on Saturday night uh, as the Huskers took down the Huskies of Northern Illinois, 44-8. to um, I could go into more detail, but Honky actually already covered this on our Rapid Reaction show. Honky was just... Dying to get up and out there to you guys, and so he uh, recorded something, and I think we'll be trying to do that pretty much every week going forward during the season, right, Honk? Yeah, ideally it'll be more than just me doing it, but uh, we'll figure out ways to try to get the content out to you, Redcasters, as soon as we can after games. Redcasters, I pledge that I will mostly be on those, provided we win. (laughs) 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 mac has volunteered his services after every victory (laughs) unless we change the rating system we're going to go with as a podcast and i'm allowed to use say a more colorful language uh then i'm going to stay off for the losses well that's redcast after hours yeah yeah boomer has suggested that we have a cooling down period before we start recording so that's that is important the redcast blue collar reaction that would be anyway moving on i i believe if we have a victory on saturday Mac, you'll be joining Honky because you guys will be in Champagne, right? Yes, it's going to be outstanding. Excellent. This should be a, a good show and hopefully a, a good game to watch. Um, we're now three weeks into the season. Uh, that means we're getting down to the deadline to get in our Go Big Red cast Yahoo Pick'em. I think you've got at least one more game because we wipe out the four worst weeks. But, hey, we've got well over uh, 90 uh, uh, entries. Hopefully we get over 100 and I'm sure you're going to win fabulous prizes if you uh, beat all of us. So, um, Honk, yeah, let, let's just uh, warm up the show just a little bit, right? With a victory. It's always funner to do these shows after a win. It was 44-8. to eight. Um, Defense looked very good. Offense looked good at times. And, and we you know, had uh, the uh, coach's press conference uh, earlier here. And any uh, quick uh, takes off of um, kind of where we're at injury-wise, roster updates, that type of stuff that you want to talk about first? Yeah, I guess what came out of the game from an injury standpoint, we all know Cam Taylor-Britt and Brendan Hymas were both taken off the field, didn't come back in. Uh, they're listed on the depth chart right now, and of course, Coach Frost doesn't talk about specific injuries or any of those kind of details. But if he didn't take them off the uh, depth chart, that might mean that they are available for this weekend. Mac, you and I kind of talked about it beforehand, where it's like this would be an ideal week if possible. If we don't have to play them, if they're available, if they're there, suited up in an emergency case, you know that could be good. But if they didn't have to play, if we could sit them a week and have them ready for Ohio State, that would be. I think probably the most ideal situation. Speaks to this coaching staff's always preaching this next man up mentality. So, you know, they're just going to go ahead and go forward with that. You know, the initial scuttlebutt on the message boards and just kind of the rumor mill is none of them sound like season ending, but maybe nagging injuries going forward. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe it makes sense to sit them this week if possible. We'll talk about this later, but we we can't overlook Illinois. We can't overlook anybody. So if, if we're better with those guys playing, they probably should play. Um, yeah, just there's not a lot out there yet. Frost doesn't share information about 
injuries, unlike Riley, who opened up press conferences with injuries. Because we were always injured under Riley. Uh, aside from <laughs> injuries, we also had walk-on uh, updates. Uh, Jeremiah Stovall was placed on scholarship, and that, as Boomer mentioned at the beginning, special teams are very important. And Stovall got the scholarship because of all of the different special teams that he's placed on. I think he's on four different teams. So that is really good to see. And just also from some of the walk-ons, we're seeing contributions. We're starting to really see that. Frost even mentioned that during the press conference. But, you know, Eli Sullivan. Oh, my what, gosh. What that he did kid, What a spark. Holy smokes. We, we showed a video on Twitter of that knockdown, fourth down pass uh, at the goal line. He lines up at the beginning of the play as a, as a right defensive end with his hand on the ground because they lined up under center in an eye formation. Then they shift out and do all this stuff. And by the end of it, he is on the opposite side of the field avoiding a pick and knocking the pass down on a guy in motion. It was an unbelievable effort. Great play by Eli Sullivan. A walk on making a difference. Isaiah Stahlberg, kid, uh, we've mentioned him before from, from Carney, making plays on special yeah. teams. And Lane McCollum, the kicker from Air Force. He, he went to Air Force on scholarship as a kicker two years ago. He's back here now as a, as a walk on. Holy smokes, this kid, he ended up making the last three extra points and, and, uh, you know, for a team that was having some trouble kicking there, that's proven to be vital for us. So I'll tell you the walk-on program is getting back to where we need it to be, Dave. And Travis Fisher has done such an amazing job with his room. Yes, he went out and got a bunch of hotshot recruits for this last recruiting season. We all thought they were going to get a see on the field or get, get time on the field and really contribute this year. This has been a stable of the guys we've already had. They're yep. all playing at a high level. And you're talking about Stovall. You know, he's a, he's a secondary guy, but yep. he's killing it in special teams. And every guy that we rotate in there seems to have a good understanding of what it's going. Just year two of this guy. One of my favorite assistant coaches by far. Yep. Uh, hockey World, all those walk-ons from Nebraska, too? Yeah, Stovall is he's Creighton Omaha, Prep. I think. Yeah, Creighton Prep. Prep. Stahlberg was Carney. Sullivan is actually from Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Uh, and then McCollum. Oh, really? McCollum's from Nebraska. Went out to Air Force and then came back. Um, I'm sure we'll cover special teams a little bit more here. Uh, but uh, Boomer, have you ever seen a, a crazier special teams game than what we had on Saturday night? Uh, no, Dave. I can't think of one. <laughs> I, I, I tried while I was watching the game, but I've just. I mean, we had punt blocks. We had. Fake punts get snuffed. There were onside attempts. There were field goal blocks. You had walk-on kickers that everybody was scrambling to figure out who they were. It's like he was a last-minute creative player you threw in there, you know, on a, on a PlayStation game. Uh, that had to be the, the wildest special teams game I think I've seen probably since I've been watching football. Yeah, it was only short a return of some sort. Uh, I, you know, that would have been the chair. Well, that, that was a good way to solve our punt return problems is just block them all so we don't have to worry about it. I like that thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. All right, Honky. Well, uh, the offense looked much better on Saturday. Maybe not perfect yet, but it seems like it's coming together a little bit. We had over 500 yards of offense. Adrian had over 300 yards himself. Uh, we had a 100-yard rusher. We got guys involved that we've been waiting to see involved, like... Um, uh, Noah, for example, uh, what were your uh, takes from the offensive side? Well, my first take is the people that told us that we should bench Martinez after the Colorado game uh, look pretty stupid right now. Um, <laughs> not directing that at any individual uh, that is probably going to text me tomorrow for saying that. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Frost even mentioned in the press conference, and, and I we mentioned this on the show last week, it's about getting Martinez comfortable. And when he's comfortable – and making decisions quick, he is as good as anybody in the country. When you think about Adrian around Nebraska, you, you forget that he's a true sophomore. He, he's played well enough for us to win in every game. Uh, I think he's gotten better in every game. The one thing we keep talking about, when he's decisive, makes decisions, lets the ball rip, or makes a decision and runs, he's really good. So we just we need to get him in positions where he, he feels good about what we're doing and he can be decisive and get the ball in the right place. And one of the ways that you could get him comfortable was get him out of the pocket. And you started to see this a lot more this last game. Play action, fake handoffs, and rolling out to the right. Getting him outside. Uh, I, I think that there's a future here for some option. We haven't seen it yet, but I can see that in maybe in some big games where we really want to get him involved in the run game more that way. But I thought that Martinez, it started with his legs, and they wanted to get him comfortable. They wanted to get him throwing right away. That first drive, I mean, the first two passes, left, right, overthrows, but then we get the pass to J.D. Spielman, and we 
we were kind of going through the air just to, to get him warmed up. You know, I think this was the game where we wanted to see Frost start to open things up for Martinez and get Martinez kind of into a rhythm, and, and we started to see it. Yeah, I felt like this was one of the games where he maybe caught a little rhythm early, where, you know, his his reads were a little more crisp. You know, in the first couple games, I felt like there might have been more of an effort to scheme in uh, Wandell Robinson yeah, a little bit more and really try to get him involved early with, you know, jet sweeps and putting him in the backfield and then, you know, just bubble screens to him. And this week I felt like the game, although there were plays clearly designed with him in them and, you know, as a viable option, they just sort of let the offense flow. And I think that kind of resulted in, in Noah getting his first receptions and the tight ends coming back into play a little bit this week. You know, he still hit JD deep. You know, but also now even Mo Washington's a factor in the shovel pass. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just sort of it kind of branches out nicely as it should, and that's sort of the first time. I mean, this was kind of if I'm if I'm being honest, this is what I thought I would see week one because it still looked a little jagged in some spots. You know, there's still some refining to do, but this is what I thought I'd see in this offense week one with a with just kind of a healthy flow and distribution of the ball with Adrian because he he did have a clutch. Uh, fourth down run that he yeah. was he was big time on. He had a nice touchdown run too. So he ran stronger. I, I'm getting tired of the whole he looks slower argument. He doesn't really look slower to me. It's more of a decision making thing. But when he goes, he's been stronger running for mm-hmm. sure. And I don't I don't feel like he's lost any explosion. Well, I will say is I think he looked faster this week than he did a week ago and two weeks ago. And I don't know if he had a little nagging injury or not. He looked a little slow in the first couple games. For what it's worth, but he didn't look slow the other night, and so that means something good to me. When I'm going rose colored, and I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna take over this little part where this is how Matt Matt figures it out in his brain. <laughs> My thought was maybe throughout these first couple games, he's really doing a almost he's over exaggerating going through his reads and really trying yeah. to make a play deep and he, at the at the cost of him maybe taking off early and making first downs and that may pay dividends now later into the season where he's kind of got a feel for that now and he has a real flow you know a real idea where he wants to go with the ball and about the time clock he should have before he runs so as he's developed and I feel like that's what I've I've seen now like he's looked at a couple reads and then he tucks it and goes. You know, there was a couple of uh, third down conversions he made with his feet. So like in Max mind, when things get going that way, I feel like we're we're just we're just chipping away here. We're as a as a diamond carver. Here we go, boys. Mac, uh, to kind of build on that that point or concept, uh, we did hear from Frost that it seemed like they've been preparing for certain defenses from the opponents and seeing something something completely different on game day. You know, we've played three defenses where. So far this year, where we, we didn't get what we were expecting in any one of the games, uh, which is unique. I've never had that happen before. But I said this before, South Alabama was mostly even, came in and played us mostly odd. Uh, Colorado was 50-50 and played us different than what we'd seen on tape. And then last week we got some that we didn't practice for at all. I don't, I don't think Illinois is going to be that way. They might surprise me too. Um, they're good at what they do. Uh, they know what to do. They know their assignments and what they do, and I, I expect that we'll get uh, what we've seen on tape for the most part. Uh, that might help us be able to scheme things a little bit. You know, can you speak to that a little bit on how both really from the coaching staff and from Adrian, how they can combat that going forward and, and see how maybe they progress in this offense throughout the season? Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting to hear those comments from Frost because it almost – it almost acknowledges the, a lack of preparedness. I'm not calling them, I'm not saying they were not prepared, but it was, it was like, oh, they, they got us on that one. This was, this was something we did not expect. This is something we hadn't really talked about. But within this offense, there are supposed to be answers for those kind of things on the fly. And I feel like it, it might be a blessing in disguise, these early games, seeing all these different fronts where like, oh man, cause like Frost said earlier with the special teams getting blocks, sometimes you don't know there's a hole in the boat until you put it in the water. And that's kind of what maybe these different fronts have now shown the, this offense going forward. I'm like, all right, this is, this is how they're playing that too. This is how these guys kind of got into Adrian's mm-hmm. head a little bit. This is the adjustments we're going to make on that too. So it works both ways. You fool us once, shame on me, you know. Whatever that phrase. I always screw that up. <laughs> We're going to get better the second time Well, you, you brought it up last week, Mac, is that you said, you know, that defensive coordinators. Shame now, on Iowa. I think that's how it is. I think it ends with <laughs> shame on Iowa. But you you met, you met brought it up last week about how defensive coordinators have had a year now to scheme on on Martinez. And that's fine. That's that's expected. There's plenty of tape out of him out there. But 
to your point there, Dave, it reminds me a little bit of like Osborne over the years, having this, you know, cohesive group of coaches that were with him for 10 and 15 and 20 years. And there used to be stories real about synergy. They, there would be stories about they'd be playing somebody and, and some team would throw something crazy at them. And Tenniper would remember 12 years ago, Missouri did the same thing. And then they would know how to fix the issue in game because of all that institutional knowledge that group had together. Oh, I like this, that phrase. Thank you. Institutional this, what? Knowledge. I this love staff that. this staff has been together for four years, right? And if they're gonna see if everyone's throwing the kitchen sink at them or are lining up and doing completely different things in preparation for a Scott Frost offense, A, that is a really good sign of respect towards uh Frost that mm. teams feel like they need to come out and do something crazy and unique to stop them. And B, if you can counteract that, I mean, my gosh, you're you're playing a defense that's you know doing something new. That takes a lot of uh, cultural fortitude. That's my contribution. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, this is anybody can uh, take take this one, but uh, if I'll play a devil's advocate a little bit on you here, because I, I think there's some validity to this idea, right? But uh, you look at how well Lincoln Riley, for example, down in Oklahoma, has Jalen Hurts playing. And how that offense looks unstoppable. Um, you would think that other defenses would be throwing stuff out uh, against Oklahoma, for example, that would at least make Lincoln Riley and his staff take pause and say, oh, we need to do something different because they've got us figured out just a little bit. But that offense just keeps on humming. Is that just a talent thing right now with OU combined with, with Riley's offense? Is Lincoln Riley's offense that good? It's not quite an apples to apples comparison simply because Lincoln Riley was already at Oklahoma. They were sort of kind of keeping the momentum of what they'd already done. It wasn't like a complete overhaul of, of, of culture and all that crap that everybody's tired of hearing. But to your point though, Dave, if, if in year three, four, and we're still kind of having these, you know, struggles and we're not kind of playing a little plug and play to some extent plug and play at certain key positions and quarterback being one of them. I mean, I think that's fair to kind of expect going forward. And I'm not talking about generational guys, but plug and play really productive quarterbacks. Then yeah, I have a bigger problem. It's just so early. It's still such a small sample for Frost. Yeah. I think we're a little surprised at how slow the offense started this year period. Now Frost, to his credit, he talked about after that Colorado game, he was not living up to the no fear of failure mantra that they have been kind of building there, right? And that's something that maybe to the point of like Oklahoma, I guess I haven't heard anything about Lincoln Riley not being aggressive, right? If that's his style, he's been that way from, from day one. And Frost, for the most part, has been that way too. But then we really saw that come, you know, draw back on the Colorado game. He 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 wasn't you know, that. Maybe, that day. maybe that's the emotion of an actual Colorado rivalry that got into Frost's heads because I think Could he be. really wanted to win that game and maybe didn't call it the way he would if it was just like a you know a normal kind of opponent you're just going out there to beat like yeah. they're just but especially after the loss last year but it you, was a big game. But it you fast forward it to this week and that ball getting kicked down to the 13 yard line with 44 seconds left. And I'm sitting there in the stands and I'm like, please don't kneel on it. Do something with it. Even if we just throw a couple of incomplete passes, we'll at least just try the two-minute you know, drill. And to see him get aggressive there and to have a successful two-minute drill, if this season turns out to be very good, I think we can point back almost to that moment where the offense started to look like the offense again. That's Getting into tempo and, good point. and playing the way that we expected it to play literally from play one. Because it was a, that, was the, that was almost like they talked about, that killer instinct. That was exhibited very well on that last drive. You're yes. talking, I know we had timeouts, but still 40 seconds he, and a lot of yards to he go. Took off. And they didn't flinch, man. They came yep. out and Adrian ran on that play, hit one over he the He ran middle. on the play, hit Wandell, he hit on, Noah, yeah. he hit Spielman. Yeah. I mean, he, he made all kinds of throws, and he was moving around to do it too. Everything looked like they'd practiced. And that was the drive that everything seemed to come together all of a sudden, and it did seem like there was a sequence of plays that worked really well together. It felt like the first play – that went to Wandell was the same one almost that he uh, got called for an illegal shift or motion on a, a mm-hmm. game or two ago. And this time, Adrian lets him get set. And boy, he was an inch away from scoring on that play. I mean, if you watch that, oh. it's really close, right, Hunk? Yeah, it was. it's a little comeback screen pass there. So he runs out a couple yards and then comes back towards the ball. And he has blockers. You know, the, the linemen are coming out in yeah, front. Yeah, line is coming down at that point. Yeah, He just gets hit from the side there, so... But started to see some guys really get some explosive plays there. Uh, Washington is just a difference maker. Mac, you mentioned it. There's two different long runs in the game, one by Washington and one by Mills. 
Yeah. And Mills has number seven, the defensive guy yeah. number seven, eventually catch him. And Mills looked fast. Mills, not, this is no knock on Mills. He looked fast, but he got caught by number seven who had an angle. And on the long Washington run, number seven has the same angle and he doesn't catch him. Yeah, Mo's got this really cool ability to sort of accelerate while he jumps backwards and gets, gets his knees to a place where you can't hit him. He's only got about one of those moves in the backfield before he has to get upfield. But if he gets you on isolated, he's very difficult. <laughs> oh, and then you saw that gear. He hit the first. And it's fantastic that we're finally starting to see what we've always expected. Or not expected, but you know we were sort of told that Mo could be. Last year, you got glimpses. You know He was so close to breaking a few of those. Bethune-Cookman, he rounded that corner. It was like almost there. And I'm like, well... Is he a game breaker? Is he just a big chunk guy? Because you saw Divino Zigbo going, taking it to the house. This year, you see Mo pressing up to the line of scrimmage. He does have, uh, he's got an elite level of bouncing a play. And he has got a very good sense of when to do that. And once he hits that gear, now you see it. You see the gear that's like, okay, this guy, he's walking away from number seven who tracked down Dedrick Mills, who I didn't think looked slow blowing through the hole. So, I mean, to have those two guys, just those two guys, you know, even talking about Ramir Johnson who finally got to play, but just those two guys, man, this is going to be difficult. There was the drive. I think it was third quarter. Basically, we were at the 50-yard line on a third and long, and Martinez makes the pass to Mike Williams, gets him involved, gets the first down, and the next play is the 26 yards right up the gut, basically with Mills. Ideally, using Mills the way that we envision him being used, and in the third and long, it was uh, Martinez using his legs a little bit and then getting the ball to one of our secondary receivers. On one of the other drives, the 10-yard touchdown run from Martinez, it's totally set up by the three yeah. prior plays. Yep. The three prior plays were up the gut, up the gut, up the gut, Mills every time. And then on that next one, the first down, he fakes the handoff to Mills, and the whole defense sucks in on it, and then Martinez just kind of mm-hmm. runs around well, it untouched for 10 yards. I mean, it, plays started to look like they opened up the next play. And, that, and that's the thing when you talk about how much better this offense can be and what we left on the – there was a couple times that happened because there was another one where, you know, we faked that little bubble screen to the left – and Adrian pumps it, and then the next thing mm-hmm. he drops back to throw it to JD. Now we missed. Yeah, that. he missed it. We but... missed that, but that was open because of a previous play, because of how explosive Maurice has been. And you talked about last week that at some point he's going to do that. He's yeah. going to fake. He's going to pump one of those side passes, and and you're was... going to do something downfield, whether it's a tight end or whatever. Right. And and as as the season goes along, we're going to hit those, and yeah. I mean that just opens it up all the more, and that's what people open up the middle of the defense so we can run up the middle so it looks like all of a sudden we're running better up the middle when in fact we're just working better as an offense we have I mean, better that's numbers just gonna, up the middle it, yeah and it, that's just how it's going to be you know it's going to have to be we're going to have to be good at it all to make it all work honky how'd you like the uh, the run pass balance uh, boomer i don't know if you have the exact breakdown of 33 runs to 32 passes mm-hmm. i like the nice. the breakdown i mean maybe you know i'm a little more run the ball guy right but probably the biggest issue I take is the 65 plays because, uh, as we talk about maybe on the defensive side in a little bit, they had 81 against us. And I know that's something that Frost would address. Frost doesn't want to see us outplayed in terms of numbers like that. Um, he'd like to see us in the 75, 85 play a game range. But when you're getting big plays, and I think that was a question he got at the, the press conference too, someone Someone asked him, you know, is there an issue with us having these big plays? And he kind of, you know, was like, well, if, if we're starting to get into that, you know, I'll, I'm never going to take issue with big plays. You know, that's I want them. But at the same time, I know he also wants more than 65 plays in the game. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the young guys that got finally in, right, especially later in the game. But, uh, Mac, you mentioned uh, Ramir Johnson, right? Darian mm-hmm. Chase caught yep. a ball. Mm-hmm. Ben Hart was in there, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Brock Bando is in and replacing uh, the injured Brendan Hymas. Uh, other, uh, let's say on the offensive side here, is there anybody else that you wanted to point out that we got some some snaps? And obviously, Noah Vedro looked very good in that that drive that he had. McQuitty got to play again. I saw him, you know, and they're making true. a catch. So you know, just as much as we can get of. I don't want to call it building depth. I know that's what it is, but just just getting those reps, get those game time adjustments ready for those backups. It's it's so important. Well, that was the knock on the Colorado game was that we were basically about a two or three trick pony at the receiver spot. One of them being Wandell, so a guy only playing his second game. And so for this game to have McQuitty make a catch, to have Chase make a catch, to have Mike Williams make a big catch there, mm-hmm. to get tight ends more involved, can't just be a you know a Spielman and Wandell only offense, you know, in the passing game. So. 
We did get more bodies involved. We probably actually could be. We just would have to be better at it than we have been. I mean, sure. honestly, I mean, we've misplaced a JD. We've misplaced a Wandell that are, have been open. It's just, it's crazy. It, that's that's my point about this whole offense. It's like we're just scratching the surface because we haven't been great with even our frontline guys yet. And so if we got good with those guys and then we're able to bring up, you know, bring the bottom to the top, as it were, you know, and just and get those guys involved, then holy cow, man, things it's, could really go off here. This is nothing unique to this offense, but just execution's really important. And in that screen pass that we threw that ended up getting, being a safety you hear a lot of the negativity i heard it right away in the stands people around me and then i've seen it on social media where people are like that's a stupid call what a dumb call no it was a fine call we had two tight ends completely miss a block yeah. on one dude it's gonna be a problem you know so we one dude broke through stole and and, and allen to make a tackle in the backfield and if he gets blocked it was Maurice, I believe, right? I, yeah. That could have been a 99-yard play. However, on the so, next time that situation came up, they went under center and dove for five yards. <laughs> I'm for that play first. On Just for the record, I like what you're saying. Yes, no fear of failure, desire to sell. Fair. That's but, fair. But, a few but, extra know, yards before But you if you could fall forward yeah. five yards, do that first. Then throw the screen. I love that play. Yep. With some of those uh, freshmen, I mean, how many do you think are going to go past the four, four game? Like Ramir Johnson, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he may be the, kind of the third string running back. Do you think? He's in now. You know, honestly, I don't know that I, I feel like he is just a, a shoe-in not to redshirt at this point. He came in pretty late. You know, you still saw Missouri before him. And, you know, your top-line guys are really producing right now. I, I think probably until we see some sort of uh, deterioration by those top guys, maybe due to injury or just a, you know, a lack of production, I, I'm kind of earmarking him for a redshirt, to be real honest. How do you feel this plays in uh, hockey towards maybe building towards Ohio State? Um, and just trying to add some additional depth. Maybe, I mean, you know, kind of all hands on deck for that one, where you're maybe use a couple of these freshmen in an important situation. I mean, we haven't seen McCaffrey yet either, and I could imagine that. Um, he could be something you spring in Ohio State in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I suppose it could be if you thought you had something really special in a player that you could that could bring something unique, even if it was just a one play. It could be worth it in a game like that. But ideally, what I think you'd see more against Ohio State is your best players out there and opening up the playbook with them. So I brought up as an example earlier Martinez. There's option football that can be played with this guy. Now we haven't been doing it yet. But at some point, some direct speed options, I could see that opening up in a game against Ohio State. You're, you're throwing everything at them. That's what I think you'll see against Ohio State. There might be some, some new wrinkles that we haven't shown yet, uh, but probably with the players that have been on the field up to this point. Yeah, because it would be far more likely to have some sort of offensive formation that involves a Wandell, mm-hmm. Maurice Washington, yeah. Diedrich Mills, J.D. Spielman. You know, you get oh, those yeah. those speed guys involved, and, you know, if somebody else comes along between now and then, you know, like where, where we really kind of put stress on a defense that way. The thing with uh, McCaffrey is I, he's a fantastic athlete, no doubt, but he's not going to bring anything to the table more than Martinez in terms of a dynamic runner or a thrower. You know, where in some cases that's the difference between the quarterback and the backup. But, you know, um, and, and as far as like, you know, people talk about putting him at wide receiver, I'm like, we have wide receivers, guys. Yeah. You know, we, we should be working on the wide receivers that are going to play wide receiver, you know, <laughs> as opposed to trying to find this yeah. this weird dog and pony show quarterback play just to keep a guy happy. Let's keep him a quarterback and, and win games and put him in as a quarterback. It's time to throw the bones. All right, let's uh, do the defensive breakdown. Let's actually, on defense, we usually do special teams as well. So, Boomer, uh, why don't we start with you? We already alluded to the craziness of this, um, but uh, we haven't talked about the punt game all that much, et cetera. Anything else you want to ha- handle on special teams, on uh, what we looked like? We didn't get any returns this game, which, as always, it would be a nice bonus. But Well, like I said, if, you, if you're blocking punts, you don't need returns. So that's a big help right there. <laughs> I, it, it, I just think the, the punting in that game just kind of showed – the importance of coaching and scheming on that. I kind of took a look at the different punt formations that we ran versus what Northern Illinois did on those blocks, and you could kind of see Northern Illinois, especially on that second punt that we blocked, the first one didn't get a good TV angle on it, but you see they have no gunners outside. They have, you know, most everyone on the line of scrimmage. Their punter's only 14 yards back. Their three blockers are very deep on it, and their line basically blocks nobody and just lets us 
just fly through that line, and we're coming full steam by the time we hit those three blockers, and there's three of them trying to block six Huskers, and that's not a good formula for success at that point. You compare it to our punt formation, our punter's a little deeper, you know, a little further back, so better time to prepare and kick. Our blockers are a little closer up front, so that's, you know, it's very important for those kind of things. And this was a great weekend that just really kind of emphasized the importance of special teams. Uh, You know, it wasn't just our game where you saw all the weird oddities and, you know, how critical these things were if if any of you were able to watch say Michigan State that was crazy their kicker missed three field goals in a game that you know Michigan State could have won but uh you know, they had, you know, blunder after blunder on, you know, missed kicks and then 12 men on the field. Uh, you had other games where field goals were critical. Maryland lost by three, and they missed a, you know, reasonably short field goal. Uh, Eastern Michigan won the game on an important field goal, beating our next opponent, Illinois. Uh, Georgia Southern, you know, blocked a field goal, ran it back for a touchdown against the Gophers, you know, kept that game, you know, really in doubt until the end. And, you know, even the NFL had a, had a whole slew of games. And, uh, you know, Urban Meyer brought that up on a – you know, the Big Ten Network tonight, just the importance of special teams and just how critical it is and how often, you know, kind of forgotten it is and just the different things you have to do to to try to hammer that home to, to players and, you know, the people in the game, just how critical it is. And I think this game was just a good example of all the things it can do. I mean, this was a game that, you know, a few breaks go a different way. Who knows? You know, Northern Illinois missed some opportunities. They dropped some passes. You know, those punt blocks were huge. Their failures on... Uh, you know, fake punt, things like that. If they'll swing the other way, yeah, it's a tighter game for sure. I mean, they've come in here and won before. They're a tough team to play, and, you know, that game could be different if things go differently. Yeah, we've seen those games before, right, guys, where everything seems to work for the opponent, and that was not the case with Northern Illinois and uh, their rookie head coach. Uh, Honky, I mean, you had to be pretty excited to to see some of those kind of just jailbreaks on the the punt block, right? I mean, it was interesting. From a coaching perspective, Jovan DeWitt must have saw something there to to push on that. Yeah, and I think, you know, to Boomer's point about the importance of special teams, Mac and I, especially talking offensively, we harp so much on how we want to get the game into a flow and let's let's get this tempo going. Let's do all that. But, man, when you have some really big special teams busts going both ways – that game really lacked flow for a while there because of it. It was hard to – it's almost hard to watch sometimes when there's so much. that There was a season's worth of crazy special teams plays in one game there. And so it is hard to get in that yeah. flow. There's constantly a, a ball getting blocked or a onside kick getting you know kicked out of bounds or a fake punt getting tackled by your tight end. I mean, it's just a crazy scenario there. Interestingly, though, have you ever seen that many special teams gaffes have less of an effect on the outcome of a game. Oh, my God. I mean, because normally when you see that kind of stuff, that's when an upset happens or that's when the score gets really kind of crazy. But those things all happened to each of us, and the score ended up being about what people might have thought. And, you know, like, you know, we beat them by the proper margin and, you know, we scored enough points. And yet, like, these special teams errors that are usually game changers – like, they didn't really change the game at all. We yeah. all just sort of stumbled through our special teams day like, uh, you know, we'd never practiced that before. <laughs> but it was just kind of funny. Like, if you were to tell somebody, okay, pick the spread on this. Also, you're going to deal with this many special teams errors on both teams. Well, so Because they canceled each other out. We would block a punt that Austin Allen didn't catch, that one, that one punt that kind of went up in the air and he drops it. So then we get the ball in perfect scoring condition we don't score we kick a a field goal it gets blocked and it was just like we were just canceling each other's special teams gaffes you know it was ridiculous on the defensive side a shutout of of sorts in the sense that we did not give up a touchdown uh eight points only six of those on on two missed field goals we already mentioned the uh, unfortunate safety that we we gave up for the eight total points. I think what seventy four yards of rushing we gave up, which is mm-hmm. uh, quite good. Gave up quite a few yards in the passing, but Honky already has alluded that how many plays we actually defended. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your overall take, Mac, on on the defense performance? I was kind of just over here, and I'm just sort of charting things that I saw pros and cons from each week. And as I go through from one week to the next, I check off cons, and the pros don't go away. And so what I'm seeing is a, a aggressive defense that's you know been very consistent at stopping the run. And I hesitate to give it too much credit, only because of my jaded past. But I feel like 
Northern Illinois is a team that never went away from the run. They never really kind of tried to get too far out of their identity. They needed to run. They had to run. They're okay at running, and they could not do it against us. And that is something new. It wasn't like they were kind of able to run. They weren't able to run at all. We were stuffing everything. There's no push on the and, and And just the way that guys are flying around, I mean, at least that's what they told us what was going to happen. These The defensive coordinators, the defensive coaches have all said, we want guys flying around out there and hitting and everything like that. I'm seeing that. That makes me happy. It's like, you know, uh, Clark and I were talking about during the game. It's like, you know, you don't get up to go get your refresh your uh, drink for the defense. I'm like, I kind of want to watch these guys oh, play. Yeah. I like the way they're flying around. A big play can happen at any moment. And that alone, it, and like we don't talk about Chenander yet. It's like we're still kind of like we don't want to say it because if we say it, it might ruin it. We don't know how good the defense <laughs> is yet. It's, like, oh, it's pretty good. We don't know the opponent. But it's like. I think we might well, be okay because the D line is how it starts, and that's where we may be the Adam best. Adam Carricker last week said, you know, we've played seven good quarters of defense. Well, I think you can add four to that now. I think we've played 11 good quarters of defense. We've talked so much on offense about how we start off quick and we score touchdowns or at least a field goal this game on the first drive. We've given up 12 points on defense in the first half this whole season. 12. So we're starting off quick on defense as well. As you uh, pointed out, Dave, uh, we gave up less than 100 yards rushing in this game. But that's the third straight game we've done it. Now, the crazy thing is in this in the Big Ten, that's only good enough right now for, I think we are eighth in rush defense in the conference. But the difference between like fourth and eighth is just a few yards. So, I mean, basically what it's telling me is we're in the right category. If we were Rutgers and giving up 150 or 200 yards a game rushing, whatever they're giving up, that's bad. But we're right in that category where I think we're starting to look like a Big Ten team in the trenches there. And we have two complete units of D-line. We for can, sure. We can, that's a humongous We can rotate three too. guys in for three guys, and that's without Jakeem Green. The, the way they rotate you know, on defense, you know, we don't. they don't talk about that enough. Oh. But, I mean, you know, considering, you know, we're getting, what, 80 snaps a game almost for defense? Mm-hmm. You know, by the time you calculate that over a season, that's a lot of extra snaps. Now, you could look at it one way and go, man, by the time we're going to play – Ohio State, we almost have a full game's worth more snaps defending Mm. than Ohio State's even seen. And that might be very valuable. Now, you could also look at it from the dim view and say, well, yeah, but that's many, that's that much more wear and tear in your body. But Mm. the way, but when you look at how they distributed the snaps, you know, it's about equal from three inside linebackers, almost that, you know, the defensive line is broken up, say, I would say 60 40 in terms of snaps. Mm. And the secondary, with the exception of cornerbacks, has seen a lot of rotation. So there's, there's a lot of guys seeing a lot of ball right now Mm -hmm. and playing at a high level. Do you feel like Illinois will actually provide a test, I guess, for this defense, just in the sense of like speed or playmakers? I mean, with Illinois, we we definitely gave up some some big runs against Illinois last year. Uh, Do you feel like the defense uh, will be able to rise up and actually meet this real first Big Ten test? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Illinois is okay on offense. They've got, you know, good running back. His name's escaping me at the moment, and they've actually... Corbin, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. So he's actually put up some numbers. He's got speed, and their quarterback play has actually been pretty good for Illinois, so that is there. I want to see, you know, what our defense can do against this, and what I really want to see them do is can they maintain their uh, tendency to produce turnovers against teams? Uh, Because if you can keep that going all year, then you can beat anybody on the schedule. So if we can stay on that positive side of the turnover margin, then then great. So that's that's what I really want to see in this game. Hockey, uh, Boomer just alluded to Brandon Peters, uh, Illinois' quarterback, more of a traditional pocket passer opposed to A.J. Bush last year who just torched us at times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see this this matchup and a little different Illinois offense, one that looked very good in the first couple of weeks, not so much in their loss versus Eastern uh, Michigan. Yeah, I think one of the things that we do on defense that is really unique, I've heard Jerry DiNardo talk about this, I've heard other coaches, I think or Meyer mentioned this, is that defensively we give a lot of different looks. So even if we're in an odd front, we will at times line up in in fronts that almost look even, even though they're odd. So it's not like a nose tackle always right over the center. And what I noticed that happening a couple times in this game, and something I think that is important for us to do is to just align correctly. And what I mean by that is there's two plays that come to mind. There was one where the quarterback ran up the middle and got a first down on us. It was mm-hmm. maybe a third and short. But literally before the play even is snapped, they, we didn't have anyone covering guard to guard. 
basically, I don't know if we were in a three-man front or a four-man front. I, I, I wasn't watching that closely, but we literally didn't have a guy over the guard center guard. Huh. And before the play was even snapped, I'm like, there's an opening right up the middle, and the QB took it. Okay, on another play, and this might have been the one that Taylor Brick got hurt, but we literally didn't have anybody covering, I think it was the stand-up tight end. I'd have to watch the, the play one more time, but I think it was the guy, then, well, it was definitely the guy that ended up making the catch. Nobody was covering him right at the, at the line of scrimmage. So uh-huh. the point is, is that I don't know all the calls, right? But there was moments where I could be sitting in the stands and watching it and going, this guy, there's an area just not covered from an alignment standpoint. And that's something that I think, we at least have to self-scout ourselves and, and acknowledge and understand that. I mean, there were times before a play could happen where I could see an opening. I'm like, okay, if I was the offense, I would attack this spot. And when they did, it was open. This is a bit of an off topic, but I was thinking about that too because there there does seem some times where we are bringing pressure and it feels like we're leaving a big zone open. Mm. But have you noticed how good we have been at batting balls down at the line oh, of scrimmage? The D line, you know, the defensive the line getting their hands up this year has mm. been a factor. You know, so I feel like we're clearing out those middle zones sometimes just based on the fact that our guys are getting up there and getting their hands up I, and making those passing lanes difficult. And when you're starting to deal with guys like, I'm not saying, I'm, listen, as a as a fan podcast, I try not to look too far forward past this week's game. But going to, say, a guy like Justin Fields, a guy who really likes to make about two reads, if we can get our hands up and disturb a guy's field of vision yeah. like that, I feel like that's a big advantage for us, especially then on top of that because the line is moving towards you. We're not giving you gaps. The front line is tall, but they're also moving it forward, so it's giving our defensive ends time to get in there, which I'm not – breaking any ground here. I mean, good defensive line play makes your secondary oh. look so much better. And that is what we've been seeing all year. And it continues to build. I will tell you, it is a 100% success moving Dome into nickel and getting him on the field more. The speed difference of him being on the field alongside Caleb Tanner, and I thought Alex Davis, who had his second really good game in a row. I thought he played well against Colorado, and I definitely think he played well this Did last week. Did you say week. Alex Davis? Alex Davis. 100% agree. Yep. I was watching him specifically on some plays. Oh, he, it's, they're not glamour plays sometimes, but he is doing his he, job. He does what he needs, and I think Tanner can be the glamour guy, and Doman is the speed guy. So, Dave, to your point, we're going to be playing a quarterback this week that's not the big mobile guy, the big mobile threat, and I'm not really worried about him, to be quite honest with you. But a week from now when we're playing fields and when you want to start matching up speed for speed and they're going to bring plenty of it in a week so we can talk about it then but having a guy like Doman and some of the plays that yeah. he made there was a play where the running back got around the left side of the of the line and Hannes goes after him and the guy was just going to flat out beat Hannes to the edge but he wasn't going to beat Doman and Doman came up flying from the nickel spot and made the tackle on the backfield that's what I'm talking about we've guys, got some speed on that field guys like Doman are those kind of those the, the difference makers in between how you can out scheme a defense, you know, because they're equalizers. They can play the run as well as it, equally as well as they're playing the pass, particularly Doman. You know, that, that he mm-hmm. is really, I mean, there's been some coverage plays he's made. He will probably by the end of the season, calling the shot, Mac shot, uh, he will be in contention for leading for interceptions uh, by the end of the year. I, I can believe that. Two other guys I want to highlight real quick. Uh, Garrett Nelson got some meaningful snaps in that game. The dude is a, a spark plug. He gets out there on special teams. Boomer, you would you'd be proud of him as a special teams coordinator. The dude is jumping up, trying to get the crowd into it. He's pointing at the student section. The guy is absolutely everything that we want out of a Nebraska kid playing out there. And then I, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Mac, you have said it since week one. Lamar Jackson is playing the best football. I have flat out seen him, him play at all here. And every defensive back. Yeah. The way that these guys – or how many knockdowns have you seen? You saw it with Eli Sullivan on that fourth down one. How many times have you seen a guy swipe his hand across a receiver, not get the penalty, not have his other hand, you know, on the back and grabbing and holding, but knocking balls down? Yeah. I mean, it's it's led by Lamar, there's a, there's but they're all doing it. There's it's, a difference between being in position and making a play. And right now, and like last year, he's like, you're in position. Lots of times you could see we were in position. We were not making plays. Yep. This year – so far, we've made plays on the ball. A couple of times, those have resulted in turnovers. And I think as the as the season progresses, you can just see this team. Oh, they are yeah. so ball aware. Uh, Markel Dismuke is punching at balls all the time. Oh, oh footballs! I, that, that, and he's doing a good job of it. I, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that. Ch- uh, Chaz, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Wait, I don't want to touch on that. This is not the Redcast After Hours podcast yet, guys. Can we dial this back no. a bit? Don't cut that. Okay. 
<laughs> Chaz in SoCal brought up how, you know, um, how the team isn't making dumb penalties. We're not getting the 15-yard penalties and all that. And there was a play in this where Dismuke had the perfect oh, opportunity yeah, 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 to yeah. lay out a receiver. I, I and, thought it was close even. I know what you're yeah, talking about. But it, it's still and it was kind of close. And it was kind of like a third and somewhat long. And, and I think the ball was thrown a little high and, and the receiver was well short of the first down. And the main point is, is that he didn't lay the dude out. There was no need to. It was, if this was a year ago, that's a 15-yard penalty. It's a first down. We would have given it up in a heartbeat. I know we would have. And he had the constraint to sit there and not take that hit, to just understand the scenario, understand where the ball is, understand where the first down is, and that's progress. And that's the kind of cohesion you've seen in that backfield so far this year that has been so encouraging because I I really don't have that many concerns going forward in the Big Ten with our secondary. And our run defense has been so solid, it's like, we might be on to something here. Listen, guys, we used the, the non-con exactly how a team should. We, we hammered out all of our dents, hopefully. You know, we've isolated some of our issues and we've improved from one week to the next on those, on those issues. So greatest two in one team in the country. Well, probably maybe in history. I don't even know. <laughs> it's science. Uh, with, uh, I'm going to touch on the quarterback just a little bit because Lamar has played a phenomenal this, uh, first three games, a lot of opportunities to play phenomenally because, I mean, they're throwing to his side, getting a lot of those pass uh, breakups and knockdowns. They don't seem to be throwing to DiCaprio Boodle's side all that much. I mean, is he that good that, that he's kind of shutting down uh, one side of the field right now? I just don't see him throwing over to Boodle that much. It's really been impressive. Wasn't the overthrow in the first quarter to, that was to Boodle. Boodle's yeah. side? Boodle, and Boodle, that was Boodle that should have been a 90-yard touchdown pass against us, but yeah, short Boodle, of that play. I'm not saying it, it, it doesn't happen, and there's a good example of where he got beat, I guess. But, I mean, boy, Lamar's knocking down a lot of balls, and I just don't see Boodle without that many opportunities. You're right. So, you you are know, right, you Dave. wonder if that – and that could be a result of – and that's a good question, Dave, and I'd have to look at it. It could be a result of where the pass pressure is coming from, that you're forcing guys to throw into his right side, which is where Lamar you know, lines up. It's it's hard to say, but you're right. You know, DiCaprio hasn't been challenged near as much as Lamar, and for no good reason because Lamar has held up very, very well. He yeah. is – you know – I wouldn't a, throw towards Lamar Just right a few – just a uh, – he's going to – He's going to get That's some opportunities. Point. I mean, I don't know why. Like I said, I think the pressure is forcing a lot of where the ball is going in terms of defense. And if you're a right-handed quarterback and pressure's coming quick, you're probably throwing to the right-hand side, which I feel like we've only faced it, right it, It's crazy. Maybe we could do this in a week or two. But, like, we're three games in the season. We're, we're one-fourth of the season done. And I think you can start to come to little tiny conclusions. Like, I on offense, I start to look at guys' stats right now, and I multiply it by four and go, this is where they're going to be at the end of the year. Well, defensively – I'm looking at guys after three games, and I'm like, Lamar's playing in all Big Ten, you know, uh, level. Like, I could honestly start to put together an <laughs> all Big Ten team. I know, I know, it's early, but it's like because if you did that with if you did that with Divino Zigbo's numbers for the first three yeah, games last year, you wouldn't have got that same result. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm the most excited about with this with this coaching staff and the team now is like, what kind of progress can I expect to see? I don't expect any a Zigbo type of player. To arise this year. Now. Oh, like, see, I, I don't think, think I don't feel see like we've somebody... already seen some of those. I well, feel like no, no, no. I feel like a Sullivan's already there. No, oh, no, no, no. But that's the point. I don't expect that. Like right now, a year ago, Azigbo hadn't done anything yet, uh, and it all happened in the last nine games. Okay, I don't. I, okay. I can be totally proven wrong, and, and quite honestly, I hope I am. I hope somebody steps up that I'm not even thinking of. But I don't envision somebody in the last seven, mm-hmm. eight games of the season becoming, you know, the leader of the team at, at their respective position, and we haven't seen it yet. Like, that, okay. that to right. me, is the challenge, and I don't see it just coming from somebody that hasn't already been out there, you know, proving it. I guess that, that, that that's a great point. My dark horse, if, if there was one, mm-hmm. it would be like a McQuitty. Like, if a McQuitty could come that's on in, like, at this point, you know, he, he had a couple of receptions. If he could come on and really and really be that answer to who is the next guy yeah. up. You know, it's funny. We talk about Wandell, and it's like, we're waiting for this guy to break out. If his name wasn't Wandell Robinson, and this guy, as a freshman, came in and produced what he's already produced, we would be singing his praises. But his, his expectation, he came in yeah. like, I mean, he's like D'Angelo Evans, you know. Like, this guy's just an all-time producer. Yeah. You know, who knows? Because it's going to happen. He's going to produce too, but it's sure. crazy that that <laughs> you know we're seeing this production from these freshmen. And, and, my, and my caveat to my one point that I was making there too is that 
I'm I'm assu- that's barring injuries, you know. So obviously, if you have sure, some rash sure, sure, of injuries sure. at a position, but well, but if but if guys stay healthy, relatively speaking, like I just don't envision somebody just stepping into a role and taking it over that hasn't already been playing. Dave, can you think of anybody that well, that hasn't been playing yet that you could see I, taking I could over? See, his it, spot? it wouldn't be as ex- explosive or as impactful maybe as Divina Zigbo last year. But we have not seen or heard uh, Cade Warner yet, and I could see him being a receiver back on the that's field. A good, that's a good one. Who Adrian has a, a you know a kind of relationship there, and would could would find him, and he seems to get open. Uh, right, that's not going to break big plays. Good but. pick, Dave. That's a really good pick because I've thought about that's that a really too. Good one. Where I was like, maybe you know, and I'm not trying to downplay Gabe Warner about he just knows where to be at the right position. But, jeez, man, is that not worth something, especially if your quarterback's comfortable about being able to find you? I think that's a really good pick. You know, I was I was excited to hear that he's been kind of closer to going. I hope he – does. is he good to go this week? Yeah, he we wasn't wearing know, pads last weekend. <laughs> no, but Do this we know what, what type of injury he has? It's a upper, lower, torso, he's foot, got a, he's neck got a, injury. I'm he's not, got an sure. abductor <laughs> flexed out to his capacitance. <laughs> So there's a there's a good <laughs> chance of residual cropial inflammation. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So he has turf toe. He's got, <laughs> so- <laughs> He's got SARS. It's it's turf, <laughs> it's turf toe. <laughs> I'll get you. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, I think the the long answer to that is I have no idea. Listen, right, he just well, gave these youngsters a head start, and the experiment's worn out. Yeah, we'd love to have him back on the field. All right. Anything else uh, defensively we want to cover tonight, guys? You know, Travis Fisher, if I was going to say anything, Travis Fisher as our secondary coach is phenomenal. There just doesn't seem to be any drop-off with any of his guys. And he can rotate them through, and they're all in love with him, and he is as blunt as, you know, a broadsword. And I just – you can't get enough of that guy. Yeah, yeah. love him. I mean, second year, finally, of a secondary coach, who knows? You know, uh, to hockey's point of maybe if you can save someone like uh, Cam Taylor Britt and, and get him healthy for Ohio State, I feel like Eric Lee is the next man up in that position uh, now, and, and mm-hmm. hopefully he, he can fill that role. It seems like he's already been playing quite a bit, doesn't have quite the same speed, but definitely knows where he's going to max point. Yep. He's a big dude, you know. He's got 6'1", yeah. 225 now. You know, those those young guys, I have all the hope in the world for those guys. I, have, I am absolutely excited about their future, but... You're talking about a guy who's been here for what four years, five years now? No, four years, and and he is physically ready to go. He, he's already shown the ability to make some plays. I mean, that, that's looks, the epitome of it. He looks slower than the starting safeties that we have, and yet he's still faster than the safeties that we had a year ago. Well, uh, and, and the point. reaction time makes all the difference in the world because well, I don't, I don't you know, your your speed is nullified if you don't know where to go, that's and, and that's true. the thing that with the second year. Same defense, same same position coach. You know, you are playing faster by default just because there's no guessing anymore. And and he's a cerebral guy. You know, he's he's oh, yeah. he's one of our. I'm sure he's one of our academic all Americans. You know, on the team. So like this, I, I feel like this is a, a good position for him. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for him. And let's get some guys healthy. I like Lee. He's he's a playmaker. You know, that's the one thing. He he makes plays when he's out there on the field. Do you guys expect to see uh, Noah Polo Gates? I don't. It's one of those things, if you haven't played... The time was last week. I mean, honestly, yeah. if, if if you were going to see him a lot, I feel like he would have played... Like, I, actually, I feel like he would have played the week prior. I mean, I, and I'm not ruling him out. He still might, you know, hit that four-game freshman rule. But, sure. But clearly, they're going to go with a guy like Eric Lee or maybe that Sullivan guy. Sullivan, I mean, you know, yeah. as, as a guy like... These are our front-line guys. Uh, if they get hurt, too, then we're going to go to these guys. So, I've mentioned guys like Stahlberg, too. And and who knows? Stahlberg you is, get is, You get down to a point where if there's even another injury, I see that guy on the field right now before I would see maybe some of the, the true freshman guys coming in here. And that's not a right. knock on the true freshman. It's more of a credit to the guys that have been in the system for a Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It's exactly how it should be. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I mean, we... They're not. They, you asked earlier, Dave, about Oklahoma, uh, you know, and Oklahoma probably doesn't have to just throw every new true freshman onto the field. They have guys that get into a system and year after year. Well, that's that's where we're going to be. I, I like that. that. Sounds good to me, man. All right, guys, let's uh, look forward to the Illinois game. And, you know, this is just a big week of college football, a good week. So 
Um, I'll start with um, Boomer. Let's let's start with you. Name one of the games you're looking forward to this weekend uh, on the college football slate. Keys to the Nebraska-Illinois game and your prediction. Take well, uh, sadly, I'm at a wedding this weekend. I'm not going to name names, but uh, come on, guys. We had two bye weeks this year. What? Pick at one of those. But anyway... Uh, congratulations on your on your impending nuptials. But uh, there's there's a lot of good games this <laughs> and weekend. Everybody will be looking at their phones during exactly. Your I mean, yeah, if really that's what fun. you want, more power to you. There's a lot of good games this weekend. A couple of them just for train wreck purposes. You know, I, I'm intrigued by Boston College at Rutgers, and then you know that that's going to be fun. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick. Yeah, that. Uh, Michigan State and Northwestern. Whatever the over under is, pick the under. I mean, that should be fine there. Uh, but what I really want to see, I really want to watch. Um, Michigan and Wisconsin. I mean, that's a game that's got a lot of implications for the Big Ten. Michigan struggled these first few weeks. Are they really that, you know, in trouble? And is Wisconsin as good as they've been these first couple of weeks? That's going to tell a lot about the conference. That's a huge game, and it's going to say a lot going forward, especially what we have to face, you know, when Wisconsin rolls into town. So I'm really excited to see that one. That's a good yeah. point, Boomer. Wisconsin has not given up no, a point. No, no, that's incredible. I, I mean, yeah, not 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 one. I mean, that's that's that's, that's a pretty good start to the year. They're yeah. Averaging zero points. Per yeah, and, and both teams are coming off a bye week, so you've had time to prep, and it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to that a lot, and that's an 11 a.m. game too, so we'll know pretty early on that. So I should be able to catch Big some of that. Kickoff. So it'll be good. Uh, you know, my big key to this weekend, I, I kind of gave it already, it's turnovers. Can our defense continue to generate turnovers? I think our defense is better than Illinois' offense a little bit. I think our offense is better than Illinois' defense, so I expect a win in this. Uh, I'm going to call it Nebraska 41, Illinois 28. Mac, all right, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Keys to the game, prediction. I'm actually kind of looking forward to the uh, Kansas West Virginia game. I uh, hey, well, hold on, Mac, Mac. Mac. I, I have to. I have not given you credit for this. In our uh, preseason pick'em, you know, you actually called out Kansas to beat Boston College. You flat out said it, and they dominated the Eagles on Friday night. Kudos to you, man. Well, thank you. I I just kind of like what Les Miles has got cooking down in Lawrence, to be real honest with you. And this week will be a kind of a good test too. They're playing West Virginia. Uh, it's a three thirty game. I, I'm I'm hoping. I don't know. Like, listen, here's the deal. College football is better with coaches like Les Miles and Mike Leach in the business. You know, these guys are characters. It's it's the it's some of the it, it fits so perfectly with the pageantry of college football. Uh, keys of the game this week. Listen, the keys to the game are, you know, just play your best game. I'm like, it, it, you know, so far this, this year, it's just been a matter of us playing us. And I would just like to see us continue to build on all the positives that we've had going forward and add a few more weapons defensively. It's just kind of the same thing. Con- continue to create turnovers, continue to fly to the ball, continue to uh, put stress on the defense. And then on the offensive side, continue to add weapons. Let's get that inside run game going. Martinez get into a flow. That, that That's all I'd like to see. I mean, just kind of, I feel like we've got momentum now. And I feel like, I feel like I, that's what I want to see the most. It's just continued momentum. That gives me more confidence than anything is continued momentum. Honky? I'll just say two games that intrigue me are, are two games that have undefeated teams playing each other, Utah at USC and Notre Dame at Georgia, for all the obvious reasons. As far as Nebraska goes, you know, a year ago we beat this Illinois team 54-35 to at home, and I'm just going to kind of be somewhere in that ballpark. I'm going to say we'll win 49-20. I think we'll be able to move the ball. Our offense got its footing last week. Defensively, I don't see us having near the trouble we had with Illinois a year ago when A.J. Bush was using his feet to to hurt us. I don't see that happening again. And our defensive backs, for all the reasons that we've talked about, they're, they're balling, so they're passing quarterback. I'm not concerned about what he's going to do against this this. Uh, this Blackshirt D. They've got a good running back. Corbin's a great back. Um, they have some very talented players, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think we're going to be in good shape, and I think that we should handle this game fairly early. I think by halftime, you know, we'll feel like we're in control of the game. I, I didn't give a score, and I'll, I'll give a score now. I would say we are going to be 48 to 17. Other games out there, you know, Georgia, I think it's playing about the same time we are. Georgia plays Notre Dame. Anybody have any intrigue on that game? Do we actually think Notre Dame is a shot versus Uga? 
God, I hope so. It would really help college football <laughs> if they did. Uh, the one thing we don't need is by the end of the year it being questioned, should three SEC teams be in the playoff? So let's – you may not like him, but for the love of God, just let, let's have Notre Dame win this. Just just for the sake of everybody, for the sake of a little bit of balance, that would, that would be the best. It would make things easier, wouldn't it? All right, good stuff, guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I hopefully see a, another Nebraska victory in relatively easy fashion. Uh, defensively, I'm really impressed here, and I, I have a sense that with Brandon Peters being that pocket quarterback, they won't be able to have as much success on us. Um, reading some of the Illinois uh, message boards, boards, even though they won their, their first couple of games, they are pretty down on Levy Smith and don't feel like they have any talent on the defensive side of the ball. So I feel like they are expecting us to just tear them apart offensively. So I'll go, you know, uh, 45 to 17. But um, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how that that plays out. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, Let's uh, head into our parting shots. And I'll start with you, Boomer. Uh, a couple of parting shots. So since, uh, you know, Honky always starts off with seven, I figure I'll throw a couple out there. Uh, you know, first one is, I don't know if the show will be live by then, but uh, this week, uh, Nebraska-Stanford Volleyball. So I anticipate there will be no trouble, everyone turning out for that one. But uh, let's give that a watch and let's get some revenge on uh, last year's uh, championship game. So that should be darned exciting. And uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, we posted it on Twitter. Uh, Mac referred to him earlier. Mike Leach, he's just a national treasure. Uh, someone asked him a question about if uh, Pac-12 mascots were in a fight, who would win? And the fact he takes that question seriously and takes the time to answer it and really seems to put some thought into it. I mean, that's what college football needs. And <laughs> by God, we need more of that. And I really liked how he actually ended it with the how the Cougars. He really did. It was yeah. He, that, he tied it know, all he back really... into why his mascot should be best. So I, I he love that. that too. Maybe we'll run a run a poll on which Big tw- uh, Big Ten mascot should win. And uh, somebody did ask a question. I I pay money to see the first uh, reporter who asked Saban that question in the SEC. I mean that would be delightful as well. So, but enjoy college football, folks. The pageantry and the fun and Mike Leach, you know, encapsulates that. Absolutely. All right, Mac, what do you got? Uh, actually, Dave, I uh, I traded two of my hot takes for a first round hot take after our uh, conference championship game to Honky. So, <laughs> but I will get the first hot take after the uh, the Big Ten championship. Game. I like it. I like this. All right. Um, so so Honk has like like was it nine? He's right he's the Patriots. He's a stockpiler. It's the octo take. He's he's good for this. Well, you yeah. you sign undervalued free agents who are in trouble and. You know, rehabilitate them. I understand, Honk. That's how it works. All right. Well, I'm going to transition those hot takes into parting shots, and I've got about seven of them here. I don't know. One of them is uh, I was listening to the Gary Sharp show today, Lance Schwartz, a guy that I've known for years. I worked with him uh, during my college years, and he uh, was interviewed by Gary Sharp today, talked about the history of Husker Vision, which meant a lot to me because I was working with him at the time that he was in Husker Vision. Uh, he used to do the psych-up tapes. I'm talking the Peter Brothers and Wistrom and all that. And uh, we posted something to Twitter. We posted a, uh, the audio of that of that interview. Listen to that if you get a chance. It's great. It's great to hear the history of that really unique and special program that Nebraska had. Husker Vision was the first big screen uh, program of any college football s- stadium uh, back in the 90s. So Nebraska was very, uh, very instrumental and influential in that. My and- wife's best friend's uncle was Jeff Schmall. Oh, sure. so and you know Jeff Small was a big and they part talked about and, yeah. and Lance brought him up on that interview. Interestingly, Redcasters, if you ever get to New York and you go to Schmackeries, it's right off of Broadway. Uh, Jeff Small's son, oh, Zach, yeah. he runs Schmackeries, and it's it is legitimately just right off of Broadway. He makes these cookies; they're fantastic. Uh, great guy. Oh, there. that's cool. Well, Lance, you know, and of course, Lance had a second career with Ten Eleven for. 10, 15 years doing Lance's Journal, which was an awesome show too. But anyways, he would make the psych-up tapes, and he would show them to me on like Fridays when I was in college. I I would watch it the day before the game. It's awesome. So anyways, that was very cool. Um, A week ago, I mentioned how we just got over 8,000 followers on on social media. You know, the Redcast Nation's going crazy and and all that good stuff. We were 20th in the state uh, in population. 
Well, we've grown. We're over 9,000. In fact, we're over 9,300 right now. Who are we? <laughs> we are now eight. We've blown past Alliance and Gearing. We are 18th in the state. I knew we, we could take Gearing we, down. We have some work. We have to get about another 1,000 followers to not only get over 10,000, but down to get past Lexington. But we're on our way, and so that's that's very cool. My Thank goal you has always been David's city. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we've, yeah, blown, we've blown past I, David's yeah, city. Take that, Aquinas. Um, yeah, we've mentioned Georgia and Georgia playing North, uh, Notre Dame this week, but I, I want to give a, a high five to Georgia fans. Very classy. They did a pink out this week at Sanford Stadium in Athens. They honored Wendy Anderson, the wife of Arkansas State coach uh, Blake Anderson. She died of breast cancer in August. It was a very cool move. So we give a lot of uh, crap sometimes to the SEC, but that was a very cool move by Georgia. Last two things I want to mention is just how cool it is what we're doing with this show and how people recognize us and know us. I saw Chris Ellis. He's a buddy of mine from a fraternity days. I hadn't talked to him in, in a decade. And he listens to our show, which is super cool. But I was just walking across downtown prior to the game right. to go and see a buddy of ours, Kluver, sure. who I'll mention here in a second. But uh, I'm walking past Chris, and he sees me, and we just start talking about the about the show. So, Chris, if you're listening – Thank you so much for listening. And I also did the 40-year-old thing, and I made sure that we were connected on LinkedIn, and we were already. So mm-hmm. that was very good. But uh, Kluver, we, we got to meet and Kluver. And you know all, where all your appliance warranties are, which is also I, I do know that. But, but Mac, I will, I will give this one last parting shot back to you. It was great to see Kluver. You came over, and you saw him, yeah. too. Kluver, our, our good buddy, he, uh, he knows how to tailgate still. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! The guy is a consummate host. Uh, he is a he's a he's a demon on a grill. Right? I mean, he Kluver served up the most done bratwurst I'd ever had in my life. So done, in fact, they took the mayonnaise that I had put on the bun and turned it back into an egg yolk. I've never actually seen that. But uh, Kluver, you know what I'm talking about? Those were dry, bro. Super dry. He forgot about them. For a good 45 minutes and nobody corrected the behavior. It's all right. Hey, listen, Husker fans, we are, it's still early in this season. We don't have our night game moves on yet. Uh, shout out to Bob Seeker. But uh, let's get that together by the time Ohio State gets into town. Oh, we will, believe me. That's, that's true. Talk. We do know that Ohio State is a night game, 630 uh, on ABC. That means uh, we'll have the uh, ABC crew with Kirk Street. We don't know if game day. We'll find out. Uh, before the next red cast. Um, all right. Anything else, guys? Uh, Honky, I don't want to cut you off on your parting shot. He's got another like three or four, I bet, ready to go. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, uh, that was that was a great show. I had an excellent time. Until the next rapid reaction from Mac and Honky, and then we'll be back with a full show um, later next week. Uh, let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. Go Big Red. Illinois.